This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. Yes, yes, you are in the right place. We are back. Transcend Human Podcast. Great to have you with us. November 14th, 2022. Uh, I can no longer say it's a bright, sunny morning here in Southern California because with it being this early, I have no idea. Uh, It is still dark out. What I do know is it's gotten a bit colder. Uh, It's it's that time of the season when uh, it can be pretty warm during the day. Um, but at night, it drops enough to where if you don't have the heat on or if you don't have a heated blanket, you're going to feel it. And so I know, I know, first world problems. But that's our condition here in California. Um, back home, I noticed it has started to snow. Uh, I see people's Instagram stories, uh, snow all over the ground, their kids playing in the snow, their pets playing in the snow. Yes, I look back fondly on those days, but at the same time, I'm also very glad I don't have to drive in it. I don't have to shovel the driveway. Uh, It is what it is. So let's jump in. Um, Great week last week. Um, Tammy was able to join me. We were able to do our first episode on the podcast where we dove into our foster care story. Uh, foster parents resource family story, why we decided to do it, um, the process we went through. A lot of fun. Had a lot of fun doing that with her. And it's a series, right? It's it's an ongoing series. We'll be doing more as we uh, decide more stories, as we decide what we want to talk about. But it was fun jumping in for the first time. So if you're interested in that, and you missed it. Uh, Last week, we did Transcending Stories Part 1, and there will be more to come. But today, uh, let's dive into the minute of transparency. I'm titling this one, Being Sincerely Wrong. So I'm going to tell this story, and it's not going to make a lot of sense right now, um, because I'm telling the story before the content. So I'm going to tell the story, and it might seem a little weird. You might be like, why, why did he just tell that story? Um, but it'll all make sense uh, as we flesh out the episode today. So back when I worked in the mental health field, uh, I was working at a mental health hospital down in, where was it? I think Plymouth was the official town, Plymouth, Indiana. I was working at this hospital, and... Uh, I was running the inpatient uh, inpatient program there with a, a couple of other therapists. And at some point, the hospital sent the three of us on this uh, trip for the weekend. And I can't remember if it was a conference, like we were going to to do a continued education conference, or if it was related to the corporation that we worked for. Um, it may have been the latter. I can't remember. But whatever the case, they sent the three of us uh, to this thing, and we spent that week or that weekend learning and taking notes and and basically gathering all this information to bring back with us uh, to our hospital. 
And I remember one night, uh, the three of us went down to the pool or to the hot tub in the hotel and we just hung out and we talked and, and at some point the conversation shifted from, from work and from life to religious things. And I, at the time was a, a, a traditional Christian with some pretty strong beliefs in certain things. Uh, the girl who came with us was Catholic and didn't have a lot of uh, strong beliefs about being Catholic. She was just Catholic. And then the third guy, um, I can't really remember. I, I feel like he may have had a Christian upbringing, but he didn't really believe much at that point. Uh, he may have been agnostic or just um, was just kind of floating through life and didn't really want to, you know, talk about those kinds of things. But the girl and I, you know, we got on this conversation uh, and I began pushing her uh, about why she believed what she believed, why she was Catholic. Um, and it kept going and it kept going. And I, I started, you know, having conversations about the Protestant Reformation and, and why uh, Protestant Christianity broke away from Catholicism, uh, some of the issues that a Protestant would have with a Catholic or with the Catholic faith. Um, and I just remember it, it got pretty heated, but heated in, in more of a, a way where she got to the place where she didn't want to talk about it anymore. And I kept pushing. Um, I think that's the way it went. And I tell the story um, because it wasn't that specific situation. It was later in the evening. Uh, I think she'd already gone up and gone to bed. Um, and the other guy who was there kind of called me out. He, he said, yeah, you were pretty hard on her. Like you, you really pushed when you didn't really need to push. Um, and at the time, I think I, you know, I think I took it with a grain of salt because it's like, well, dude, you don't even care what you believe. Like you don't even have any beliefs. So so why are you jumping into this conversation now? Or why are you telling me, um, you know, how far I went with, with this conversation? Because you weren't really even a part of it. Um, it wasn't until a few years later um, that, I, that I really appreciated what he had done. The fact that he had stood up for her. The fact that he called me out. Um, because... I, I had taken a pretty hardline stance on some things and I just felt like it was my duty to raise the flag and badger other people about their beliefs. Um, and fast forward to today and the way that I view the world and some of the, the, the beliefs that I've given up and some of the, uh, the new, more inclusive uh, beliefs that I have, I look back on that scenario and I feel terrible. I feel terrible that I pushed so hard and that I was so closed-minded uh, in that conversation. So that's it. Like I said, uh, a short story, situation a long time ago, but I think it'll make sense uh, as we jump into the topic for today, which is transcending deconstruction as recovery. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk through three things. The first is the deconstruction train. Number two, the 12 steps of deconstruction. And finally, build your own program. Number one, the deconstruction train. 
So we we touched on this whole concept of deconstruction uh, just a little while ago on the podcast. In fact, we did an entire series on deconstruction. So if you're interested in going way down the rabbit hole of deconstruction, um, you can head on over to the website and under the resources tab, um, there are a list of the series that we've done and transcendent deconstruction is part of that list. Like I said, if you're interested in that, head on over um, and that will be a deep dive on deconstruction. And while I don't want to beat a dead horse, I also have come to view the world through this lens these days, as, as I think many people have, right? If you're at all involved in the world of uh, Christianity, whether it be traditional, hardline, or evangelical Christianity, um, you know that this deconstruction wave, if you will, is just sweeping the nation, sweeping the world, because it's a really big deal. And with with it being my worldview these days, like, you know, as things come out in the news, as I read things, as I hear things, um, I'm always running it through the lens of deconstruction, through the lens that I have, this new lens uh, or this new filter uh, that I have. And so when I hear something that helps me better understand it, I just want to share it. And that's really um, what this is today. I want to add to the baseline that we created during the Transcendent Deconstruction series. Now, if this is a hot topic in your world, like I said, you can go back and listen to the entire uh, series on deconstruction. There were five episodes. Uh, you should be able to binge through them pretty quickly. But for the sake of this episode, I'm just going to summarize the main talking points of that series to bring us back to speed on um, what deconstruction is. It'll help lay a solid foundation as we kind of dive into this topic today. So episode one was called What It Is and What It Ain't, um, really just talking about deconstruction as a process and how popular it's become. The fact that people are deconstructing their core beliefs, their political beliefs, cultural beliefs, sex and gender beliefs, all of those things. Um, but we spent the most time talking about deconstructing religion or deconstructing faith or spiritual deconstruction, because that's really what I believe is the most relevant at this moment in time. Uh, it's also where I feel like the biggest impact can be seen. I mean, yes, there are people challenging the things that their parents taught them and, uh, you know, people moving from one political ideology to another, but these are always things that are happening, right? They're just part of the growth process. But when it comes to a person's spiritual beliefs, there's just a lot more at stake. I mean, think about it this way. Does it, does it really matter if my parents taught me that a Chevrolet is better than a Ford? And at some point I changed that belief. How is that going to impact my life, right? Besides me possibly purchasing a Ford in the future, right? Nothing earth shattering. But when I begin to de deconstruct my spiritual beliefs, the sky's the limit. Because our spirituality plays a very significant role in making us who we are. Those beliefs typically answer the big three questions for us. Where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going when we die. And they determine our view of the future, right? How we interact with the culture, the way that we view the government, how we treat other people. See what I mean? When we start chipping away at our spiritual beliefs, it's like playing Jenga. 
and pulling out blocks at the very bottom of the stack. At some point, the entire structure can just collapse. And finally, um, I suggested that within spiritual deconstruction, there are two very distinct paths. First, we can deconstruct our religion, the small little things that we were taught or the things we were brainwashed to believe by our parents, teachers, or members of that religious tradition. Or secondly, we can actually deconstruct our faith, a much larger piece of the puzzle, right? Not only questioning the little things, but questioning the very existence of God. Now, obviously, these are very two very different beasts with uh, different levels of impact on our lives. In episode two, uh, it was called the Indoctrination Enlightenment Deconstruction Cycle. And in this episode, we really just discussed the fact that there's a cycle to the deconstruction process, one that each of us may or may not go through during our lifetimes, uh, but also that um, you know groups of people have repeated this process throughout history. And if the world doesn't end within our lifetimes, it will most likely repeat itself again in the future, right? So what did this cycle look like? Well, we just read it in the title. There's three steps. The first is indoctrination. So it's the things that you grow up with as a person or as a culture, kind of the, the things we were brainwashed to believe. And then at some point, there's this thing called enlightenment or awakening, this, this point in time when our eyes are open and we begin to challenge some of those beliefs, some of those things that we were taught growing up. And then that dives us into this process of deconstruction, the process of throwing some of those things out and holding on to other things. In episode three, called Culture, Politics, and Religion, uh, we introduced the concept of separation of church and state. So this belief that there is this thing in our constitution that is very sacred and should not be messed with. And it's really key to our way of life in our, here in America. I walked through our dark history, how religion was often used to coerce, manipulate, and even kill those who believe differently than them. And I suggested that we are in a very pivotal moment here in our history because we're on the brink of heading back into the dark. For me, this whole process of deconstructing my religion is impacted by the political and religious issues uh, that are heading us in that direction. Christian nationalism and this push to combine one small group's religious indoctrination or ideation with the political power in our country is scary at best, especially when this group openly explains that this is their way of doing things, that their way is the right way, and that their beliefs are the ones that should be legislated for all. This is one of the reasons for my personal deconstruction, pulling away from anything that smells remotely like Christian nationalism. In episode four, called The Transcendent Future, we walked through what it means to live a life of deconstruction, uh, what things led to it, how it feels, how it progresses, and the logical conclusions. I talked about the real intent behind deconstruction, that people are often mislabeled, right, as just looking for a way out, wanting to live a more sinful lifestyle. And the only way to do that is to deconstruct. And while people like this may exist, I don't know, that's not the kind of stories that I've been listening to. Most of these stories have this one thing in common. These people hit a point in life where enlightenment led them to question which led them to deconstruct. 
These people weren't happy, joyful, so glad that they were leaving the church. These people were scared and often nervous as they began this process. But to a person, each of them believed that they didn't have a choice. They could do nothing else and still remain true to who they were. I talked about the sense of equilibrium and how difficult it can be for people. We talked about the costs of deconstruction, losing a community that may have been comforting, losing traditions and cultural rituals that that literally brought a level of peace and stability. We talked about the grief process and that people literally walk through the stages of grief when they deconstruct. And I finished up that episode suggesting that we can take deconstruction too far. We can literally throw the baby out with the bathwater and give up on God altogether. Finally, episode five, the stages of deconstruction. In the last episode, I just tried to paint a picture of a brighter future after deconstruction, right? We discussed the ultimate question, which is whether or not we believe in God. We talked about the importance of the big three questions, where I came from, why I'm here, and where we go when we die, and that these questions are ultimately spiritual in nature, along with the other questions that I refer to as big rocks, right? Things like, what do you do with the Bible? Do you believe in it? Do you not? Uh, How can we believe in a God of the Old Testament, right? The the angry God. Um, Dealing with the Christian view of exclusivity, how do you deal with that? Uh, Dealing with science and the suggestion that there's like this incongruence between the two and that the two can't exist in, in harmony together. All of these things, you know, that make deconstruction a thing and also make it very hard to complete the journey. But the future is still bright because we're asking the right questions. Assuming that God does exist, we're wrestling with him the same way that David did in the Psalms and the way Job did at the very dawn of time. So that's it. That was our series on deconstruction. And I know that that summary was like me opening up a fire hose and expecting you to drink from it. Uh, But like I said, if you're interested in more on the deconstruction process, uh, head on back to our deconstruction series and you can dive in there. Number two, the 12 steps of deconstruction. So two weeks ago, uh, I did an episode on addiction and recovery. It, it definitely wasn't the easiest episode in the world to record, but it was one that I felt like I had to do. Uh, so my brain has been in that world lately, the world of addiction, the world of recovery, sobriety, and even the 12 steps of AA. And at some point I had this epiphany, right? I, I took what I'm dealing with when it comes to deconstruction, and then I overlaid this concept of recovery. And something very interesting happened. As I viewed the two running out in front of me in parallel tracks, they seem to align at the same time. The 12 steps of AA seem to be a process that fit nicely with the deconstruction process. So I thought what I would do is I would tease it out in this episode and see what happened. So here we go. Deconstruction through the lens of the 12 steps of AA. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the the step from the AA process, and then I'm going to reword it in such a way as it applies to deconstruction, okay? And then we'll talk about it for, for a few minutes. So step one of the 12 steps says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. 
So as a deconstructionist, I reframe that to say, we came to understand that our worldview was not our own and that we were living a lie. So in step one, there's this moment of awakening, right? You realize that the religion that you grew up in was limiting at best and abusive at worst. That these rigid belief systems were often manipulative, coercive, and when you really look at it, they're based on a flawed system that ultimately rewards the white male and keeps him in power. Now, there are hundreds of Christian traditions, right? So I'm being very general here. Each of these Christian traditions, right, has their own view or their own version of one singular truth, right? These are all religions that were birthed out of a Bible, the same Bible. And yet they each teach their version of the truth. And they suggest that it's the only true version. Now, anyone with half a, a brain cell knows that this can't be true, right? You can't have more than one religious belief system claiming to have absolute truth. And yet that's what they claim. Each religion claims that they have the right way. And yet it all comes out of the same tradition, the same book. So the people who are locked into these religious systems at some point have to make a decision. Am I just going to go along with this or am I going to wake up and smell the coffee? Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. As a deconstructionist, we came to believe that we were taught inaccurate things about our creator but that he is still the answer. So this step might be the hardest part of all, right? When you, when you really get to that place where you want to believe, you, you truly believe, I guess I should say, you truly believe that God exists, but you start to realize the many things that you were taught and how completely wrong so many of those things may have been. That throws us into step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. As a deconstructionist, we made the decision to leave the belief system we were indoctrinated into and to allow our creator to guide us into a greater understanding of his will. So in step three, right, there's really this, this is the essence of deconstruction. It's giving up something, the, the rigid, the suspect beliefs that we were taught and being open to the promptings that we are feeling, moving us away from that rigidity, right? That rigid religious system that we were part of, hopefully moving closer and closer to the truth of who God is and what he wants for us. Step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So for the deconstructionist, made a searching and fearless inventory of our beliefs and our intentions. So first off, I use the word beliefs because obviously that's what we're, we're deconstructing, right? And <clears throat> the thought here is to, if it helps, literally make a list, write down all of the things that you were taught to believe. And then work through that list and determine if you really believe those things any longer. Run them through this new filter, right? Does this fit with the life of Jesus, the, the life that Jesus lived and the life that he called us to? And then there are intentions. I, I use the word intentions because 
our reasons for believing the beliefs for so long could be based on our intentions, right? Especially for those of us who joined a religious system as an adult. If, if we had not been raised in this religious system and indoctrinated, if you will, then why did we join it as an adult, right? Why did we do that? What did we hope to get from it? And were these intentions pure or self-serving? So step four is really searching and, and trying to figure out why you are so connected to this religious system and then making an inventory of those beliefs and those intentions so that you can begin working on them. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. So in the deconstruction process, admitted to God and to those around us, the questions and doubts we experience. So for me, step five all comes down to transparency, right? As addicts, we tend to keep things inside. We lie. We present the truth the way we want other people to see the truth because that control over the, over the story, right, over the narrative is really what allows us to keep using, right? If we can just shade the truth enough, then we can keep using and get by with it. In recovery, we have to let other people in. We have to become honest about our intentions. In the deconstruction process, the same is true. Right? We can get caught up in our comfortable religious traditions, even when we know it doesn't make sense. So we have to become transparent about the questions we have, the doubts we have, about the things that seem obviously wrong. Giving up on the fear, right? There's fear that, that the institution may not approve or that you know we may be sinning because we are asking questions. Uh, people often have anxiety that, other people may, may view you differently or they'll view you as dissenters, right? But we have to get to the place where we believe that our quest for truth is more important than any of the discomfort that we may experience. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So as a deconstructionist, we're entirely ready for God to lead us away from our religion to a more innocent relationship with him. For me, this step is all about the consistency, right? A consistent journey toward our creator, choosing to lean into the discomfort that comes with this change, this huge change, and working each and every day to uncover the new truths that we're learning. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. As a deconstructionist, humbly asked him to show us where we were complicit in the inaccuracies of the religion we were part of. Now, there are quite a few of these steps in a row that discuss things like wrongs, defects, shortcomings. So I obviously took some liberties um, in injecting more specific issues related to deconstruction into these um, different steps. And in this case, I associated shortcomings with some of the things that we did when we were fully engaged in the religious system. Things that helped muddy the waters, things that maybe we stood up for and supported, even though we saw them as potentially wrong or harmful. Knowing that our behavior may have had a negative influence on other people that we came in contact with. And this really brings the, the minute of transparency that I 
that I told you about at the beginning, full circle. Because this number, step number seven for me is related to that story, right? It's humbly asking God to show me where I was complicit in the inaccuracies of the religion I was a part of. And that story is a perfect example of me being complicit, me pushing my agenda or the the religious system's agenda so hard that it had a harmful impact on another person. Now, I, I told you that the, the third guy in the group was the one who kind of called me out. But to just kind of add some uh, some more information to the story, I believe after our conversation, um, he had gone and talked to her and she was literally crying. She was crying because it had gotten so heated and it had really messed with her worldview, with her sense of reality. And that's the part that hurt me the most. Like later in life, looking back on that scenario, and knowing how much of an influence it had had on her, uh, that's why that story means so much to me these days. Because I see how complicit I was in that scenario, in that system that I was part of. Step number eight, made a list of all the persons harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. So as a deconstructionist, made a list of the things we did and the people we harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So this is where things get a little muddy, right? For many of us, deconstructing can simply mean walking away from a system that we have come to realize has some serious problems, right? But going back to the previous step, we identify that there are times when we were complicit in that very system and we may have been instruments or tools in actually harming or misleading other people. And if we were able to identify people in the last step that we did influence in a negative way, it would be really good for us to reach out and apologize, to set the record straight, to explain that our sincerity did not make our behavior appropriate because we were sincerely wrong, right? The way that I was wrong with my coworker. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So as a deconstructionist, made amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Very similar to the, the AA version. So this is really the caveat to step eight. Right, We just said that it's appropriate to reach out to those that we may have harmed in some way, but there are times when reaching out to a person may not be the best thing. Right, There are times when it would actually cause more harm than good, and it could open up a can of worms that you could never get closed again. And in those situations, it's better to just leave it alone. Instead, present it to God and ask Him for forgiveness, and then ask Him to work in that other person's life, to do that work that only he can do to help heal the other person. Step 10, continued to take a personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So as a deconstructionist, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, 
promptly admitted it. Again, very similar to the AA version. To me, this step is all about being open-minded. So one of the things that um, actually keeps us stuck in the religion for so long in a religious system is a sense of closed-mindedness, right? You, You have been brainwashed, in essence, into this mindset. And at some point we lock our minds down and it's like all that we can focus on is the the rules, the restrictions, the the specific beliefs. And then we tend to force those on other people because that's all we can see. But I believe that this is one of the main components of the deconstruction process, developing this new open mindset. So the first part of it is this willingness to have an open mind, to be open to new things. Secondly, it's choosing to hold on to things loosely to become more open to the fact that we don't know everything. And it's also realizing that there are way fewer constants uh, than we once believed existed. And then finally, a willingness to be wrong. Being okay with the fact that we, we make mistakes. There are things that we truly believed in that we can now look back on and say, no, I don't think so. I think I was wrong. And that helps us to learn new things every day. All of these abilities together help us to become better people, to be more open-minded, and more open to the enlightenment process. Step 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and for power to carry that out. So as a deconstructionist, sought through prayer, meditation, and study to improve our knowledge of God as we understand him, and to follow these promptings into a life of service and love for all human beings. So to me, step 11 is all about process. It's what it looks like to take the deconstruction journey seriously, right? The things that we do, the things that we read, the prayers, the meditations, all of the things necessary to keep us moving forward, to keep making progress in this vacuum that's created um, when we move away from a religious system that told us what to believe. Additionally, this step also adds a focus on other people, right? This is a big difference from all of the work that we've done on ourselves. It brings in this focus on other people, the idea that we're all equals, right? This idea of inclusivity and the idea that serving others is a high value. And finally, step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So for the deconstructionist, having a spiritual awakening that led to our deconstruction, we live out the things we are learning every day and are willing to share them with others in need. So this last step to me, suggests what our life can look like moving forward, right? It's it's our future, living out this new life based on the things that we've learned. But also because of this new focus on inclusivity, it's being willing to engage others in the process, right? Accepting every person, no matter who they are, what they believe, and helping them engage in the deconstruction process as well. So there you have it, the 12 steps of deconstruction. Number three, build your own program. So I added this section just because we we really need to have a conversation about the 12 steps because I didn't really 
talk about it in that section. But it's this whole concept that it doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all recovery process, right? Let's start with addiction. So I've been clean and sober now for five year, over five years, and I haven't stepped foot in a 12-step meeting, not one single 12-step meeting. Um, the woman that I found on TikTok, her name is Jenna. Uh, she also has a podcast called Sobriety Uncensored. Uh, she has a similar story. She goes to a meeting every now and then, but has not religiously followed or completed this 12-step this process. And then there are people who would be dead without the 12 steps, right? Or without having a sponsor who really held their feet to the fire for those first two, three, four years of recovery. And then there's everyone in between, meaning recovery is a highly individualized thing. People have to find a program that works for them. And my assumption is that it's not very different when it comes to the deconstruction process. We will each be awakened in a different way. We will go through deconstruction in different ways, and we'll all land in different places. Some of us might move to a new religious system, like we just jump ship and go get in another ship. Others may become agnostic and just keep searching for truth. And still others may go all the way to atheism, choosing to believe that there is no God at all. So in all of this chaos, what we need to do is find a program that works for us. Now, some of you may totally resonate with my retelling of the 12-step process, right? You could totally see yourself walking through each of those steps in your deconstruction journey. But others may not find it helpful at all. Maybe they found the idea interesting, but at the end of the day, they live out a much different process. The important thing, according to Jenna, is that you have a program, that you think it through and do what works for you. So let's land the plane. Uh, that's I'm just going to leave things there, right? Do what works for you. Uh, this week, if you are in the process of deconstruction for any reason, uh, I would simply ask you this question. Do you have a program? Have you thought it through enough to know where you're headed, right? What you're going to do, what you're not going to do. Do you have guardrails? Do you have boundaries? Um, have you talked to another person? about your deconstruction process? These are really good questions to begin with, but they're only the tip of the iceberg, right? It might sound like overkill, but there is nothing wrong with writing it down. Document your entire journey, what you're doing, where you came from, uh, where you hope to end up in the future, and the steps it's going to take to get there. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you here. Um, I hope you have a great week, and as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels 
And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.